At the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter number 16, same chapter we were in last Wednesday night, Proverbs chapter number uh, 16, and it is certainly a uh, blessing knowing that uh, someone is praying for you, and it's a blessing to be able to pray for somebody, and uh, let's be reminded to uh, pray for one another, and there's always something to uh, pray about, people to pray for, and uh, so uh, let's, let's uh, be mindful of praying for one another. I'm going to read one verse of scripture uh, for our text, and uh, then we are going to look at four other verses in the same passage, and uh, I believe this will be a help to us. Uh, the nice Bible study, I hope, will get us to think. Um, one of the downfalls, I believe, of our society, but certainly... <coughs> excuse me, downfalls of Christians, <coughs> is we let other people think for us. And uh, God gave us a brain. Uh, we ought to use it. The Bible tells us uh, the, more, the more we read the Bible, the more we understand uh, uh, things that we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to respond to things. <coughs> so let's look at verse number 24 of Proverbs chapter number 16. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Uh, let me read that one more time. Pleasant wor words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Uh, I want to uh, speak tonight on what are you doing with your words? What are you doing with your words? The Bible talks a lot about the tongue. The Bible talks, talks a lot about our words, about our speech. There is no way in one Bible study we can cover the entire spectrum of what the Bible says about uh, the things we say. But I think tonight will be very helpful and uh, it will be uh, very uh, uh, revealing, but mind, bring, bring some things to mind uh, for us to be cautious of uh, and to be on guard against. But I want you to think about that question. What are you doing with your words? We're going to pray in just a moment. And I'll lay some foundation uh, in the introduction, and then my points tonight are actually questions uh, that will help us uh, answer the question, what are we doing with our words? Because tonight we want to know what we're doing. We want to know that we're not doing certain things with our words. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. <clears throat> Father, may we uh, pay close attention uh, to what the Bible says to us tonight. Uh, Father, we want to please you with our actions. We want to please you with our speech. May we be reminded of how harmful um, our words can be. Uh, may we be reminded of uh, even how uh, careful we need to be with our heart because it's out of our heart uh, do come the issues of life. And Father, I pray that you would help us tonight, uh, help us by what we uh, hear and see. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health. To the bones. The word pleasant simply means cheerful or gratifying. I wrote in the margin of my Bible next to this verse where it says pleasant words and it tells us what they are, are as a honeycomb sweet to the soul. There's, there's immediate satisfaction when the right words are spoken. Uh, somebody says the right thing, the appropriate time, uh, the pleasant words, there's immediate satisfaction in that. The verse also says, in health to the bones, I, I liken this to even long-term benefits. And the words that you say can have a long-term effect on people. Uh, pleasant words 
can have a long-term effect in a positive way. That word ple- pleasant, as I mentioned, means cheerful or gratifying. And I think it's, it's better, it, it, we could get a, a better understanding of what this word really means by describing what it is not. Pleasant is, is a common word. Pleasant, I give you the, the simple definition, cheerful. Uh, but let's think of the opposite of that. What this verse is saying is these words are, are, are cheerful. They're not nasty words. This world is full of nasty words. They're not bitter words. Uh, oh, the, to hear bitter words uh, that come from a heart of bitterness, how uh, that doesn't satisfy. Uh, that doesn't bring long-term benefit. What about harsh words, hateful words, mean, offensive words? repulsive words. This is the opposite of pleasant words. Now, I, I want to be known, and every Christian ought to, ought to want to be known for speaking pleasant words, not the opposite. The list that I just read there that is w- the opposite of pleasant, uh, those, are, those are descriptions of words that, quite frankly, should never come out of the mouth of a child of God. We have to be very careful that, we, that what we speak is pleasant because it has an effect. Pleasant words have a, an immediate effect on those that hear them. They have a long-term effect. The opposite of pleasant doesn't have an immediate satisfaction or, or it's not immediately pleasant, but it does certainly have a long-term effect, but not in a good way. So we're reminded in verse number 24 that it's important that what we say uh, to be pleasant, to be cheerful, to be gratifying. We ought to avoid <clears throat> those, those uh, nasty words, bitterness and hateful. And quite frankly, just as a reminder to us tonight, this ought to remind us we ought to think before we speak. Because uh, often we say things that are harsh and we're like, ah, I wish I had thought a little bit before I said that. Or I wish I would have considered the way that would have uh, been taken. Uh, but we're going to look at what we're told tonight, that we ought to be, we ought to be speaking pleasant words. Okay? We're going to do a little bit of a study through, these, through the, four, the four verses in just a moment. So I want us to understand before we move on. Uh, we treat this like a big classroom this, this evening. Pleasant words are what we are supposed to be focused on. Avoiding nasty words. Avoiding harsh Avoiding uh, the, the offensive, avoiding bitter words. You know the best way to not speak bitter words is not have bitterness in your heart? Uh, that's where you deal with the issues of the heart and you offer forgiveness and you deal with, 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 with that which is in the heart. So I, I am to, to speak pleasant words. All right. <clears throat> let's continue in verse number 27. And let's read verse 27, 28, 29, and 30. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things, moving his lips... He bringeth evil to pass. Now, we're going to look at four different areas where words are used in a way that they should not be used. 
uh, and I will, I will go through this list and we'll expound on some of these things, but keeping in mind the type of words we should be speaking. Well, I just had to tell them the truth. Well, that doesn't mean you, can be, you have to be nasty to do so. Doesn't mean you have to be offensive to do so. Now, I, I know the truth offends. I'm not talking about that. But we don't have to be offensive in what we say. But we see a contrast here. I love using the Bible to, when it tells us a command and, and warns us against something, you see the contrast immediately. Just like good and evil, there's a contrast there. And so we see a contrast. And so uh, if, you, if you mark in your Bible, I want you to do something with verse 27, 28, 29, and 30. I want you to notice and circle the word in verse 27, diggeth. In verse 28, I want you to notice the word soweth. <clears throat> in verse 29, I want you to notice the word enticeth. And in verse 30, the word bringeth. So in verse 27, the word diggeth. Verse 28, soweth. Verse 29, enticeth. In verse 30, bringeth. <clears throat> now, I want to ask four questions tonight in consideration of what are we doing with our words. First question is this, and we see this in verse number 27. Are you digging up evil? Are you digging up evil? An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Now, the, the ungodly man, simply put, is a wicked man. The Bible says, one that diggeth up evil is an ungodly man. Now, uh, this is important for us to see that what, what the Bible is telling us, they dig up evil so that they can speak it with their lips. Now, evil and wrong are two different things. All of us are sinners. All of us sin without even trying. That is what we are. It's our nature. Um, but there is that sin with intent that is evil. Uh, if I... Uh, we've all done this, and, and I'll use myself as an illustration. There have been times I've said things, and as I thought about it, I was like, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. And I'll have to make a phone call and say, hey, I want to make sure that you didn't take this this way, or, 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 or I, I didn't mean this by that way. We've all done that, haven't we? We've all said something I should have, I should have thought. That's a lot different than using your words to hurt somebody. I think all of us have spoken out of anger, out of haste. Then we realize what was done with our words. And we said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. That's different than using your actions to intentionally hurt somebody. The Bible classifies that as evil. And there's two categories of how God deals with sin. There's sin. We, we, we're sinners. But then when evil is done to another, that is put in a different category. That's why you and I need to be very, very careful. Yes, we need to deal with our sin nature. And yes, we need to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God so that the Spirit is in control and not our flesh. Uh, but we need to be on guard against that which is evil. Now, stay with me tonight. You're going to have to listen on purpose. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. What is this verse saying? They are looking or trying to discover something about someone else in order to use it against them. The Bible says that this is evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. What, what, what something takes place in, the, in somebody's life in the past, they want to dig it up so that they can use it against them, 
hold it over them. Now, there's, this may, you may not see the application in the life of a Christian tonight, but trust me, it is very, very real. You see it in our society. Somebody wants to run for public office, and something they tweeted 37 years ago, I know there wasn't that 37 years ago, but you get the point. You say, this person has to be a racist. What are they doing? They're digging up evil. They're digging up evil. Uh, somebody gets, somebody's away from the Lord, and they come back, and they get right with God. Well, I got to know where they've been. The Bible calls you an ungodly man. The Bible calls you a wicked man. And because we have the internet, I have to interject some things like this from time to time. There are preachers who have, I use the word loosely, who take it upon themselves to determine who's worthy to serve and who's not worthy to serve. They are ungodly, they are wicked. If you see somebody, somebody say, well, I, wanna, I, I can't believe. They, I, I, I don't know what, 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 what pastor was thinking, uh, let, letting them be in the church. But, hey, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. It's, it's digging for something with the intent of using it against them. And part of the reason why somebody does this is because they are so dissatisfied with what God has for them, or they know that they, there's something in their life that should not be there. But there's one thing that this pastor does not tolerate, will not tolerate, is somebody trying to dig up somebody's past to use against them in the present. The Bible calls that wicked. The Bible says an ungodly man does that. Um, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of support tonight. The Bible says, and this isn't a problem we have. I'm not bringing this tonight because I feel like it's a problem we have. I don't want it to ever be a problem. I don't want it to ever be uh, something that uh, we have to deal with. You know, to dig up, and this is, this is part of the point I want us to see. To dig takes effort. What should we be using our effort for? To serve God. To build people, not try to destroy people. Um, to dig, you get dirty. Um, that's why, boy, I'm so thankful, so thankful for the grace of God, aren't you? You know, we all are in here, we're just sinners saved by grace. Sinners saved by grace. Before they were saved, they lived a more wicked life than I lived. So therefore, hey, it's, it's all under the blood. Um, it's all by the grace of God. Um, there's, there's more I could go on about that. But I think the point is, is, is made. Don't go around digging up um, somebody's... Well, somebody comes back to the Lord, and I pray, I pray. You won't see me upset when prodigals come back to the Lord. You won't see me upset when somebody who stumbles in their Christian life gets up. You won't see me upset if somebody says, hey, you know, you know I, I, I got to get things right. I, I, may, I may stumble. You won't see me upset. As a matter of fact, it'll be the opposite of, of upset. We say, well, pastor, I need to know. What. No, if there's something that I think the church needs to know, I'll make sure they need to know. But I don't know if I've found anything yet. 
because we don't need to be digging up evil. Now, there may be, you know, somebody may uh, be saved out of some things. It may keep, okay, if somebody's in the mafia, I'm not going to let them count offerings. I hope I have enough sense for that. Oh, he was an accountant that embezzled $47 million. Make a budget for us, and, and you make the offering deposits. No, I think we have a little bit more sense than that. But that person ought to be able to serve in some capacity if they have tried to get their life back together. We don't need to go digging up those things. That's the first thing. What are we doing with our words? It's, it's things that, there are things that I know only because I'm the pastor that will die with me. And I would never, because of somebody's past, somebody's failure, somebody's mistake, it would be evil to use what we might know about somebody's failure to hold over their head. Hey, can I remind you something? If it's forgiven, God don't even know about it. It's not because he slipped his mind. It's because he forgot it on purpose. He says, I, I choose not to remember it. Well, it would be good for Baptists to think of that from time to time. Considering, I'll move on, make everybody happy. Verse 28, let me ask you another question. When you consider your words, are you sowing strife? A froward man soweth strife. And then we see the result of that in a whisper separated chief friends. That word, let me tell you what froward, let me remind you that. It means perverse. A perverse man. Which a further definition, defining of that is obstinate in the wrong. It's okay to be obstinate when you stand for right but it's obstinate in the wrong. It's a perverse man. What does the Bible say? A froward man soweth strife. Think about that word soweth for a minute. This is a different action. Now, we're going to see some, some different categories of evil with our words. Everybody with me tonight? We've got to be very careful. We could just talk about gossip, and we could just talk about uh, the, the, you know, words that we shouldn't say and, and vile words, and we should abstain from all of those things. But I think we need to be reminded that there's evil that can be done with our words, and we don't want to be digging up with the purpose of holding over somebody. But then sowing. When you sow, you plant seeds to reap later. Let me give you an illustration. Did you hear? Did you hear? And then we proceed to Tell somebody else, well, no, I didn't hear. Oh, I was only asking you because I was going to tell you anyway. I heard that that's sowing seeds of strife. Did you hear what so-and-so said about so-and-so? That is sowing, what's going to come, what's going to come from that? So-and-so eventually is going to hear what this person said, that they, this person said, and there's going to be strife. Don't sow seeds of strife. Uh, we need to be very, very careful with that. That is, did you hear? I, I, well, I could, I could never. I trust pastor, but I could never let my kids serve under 
that's sowing. And again, I teach this when nothing's going on. If this is going on, news to me, very appropriate in the, in the, in the timing of it. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're sowing seeds of strife. Parents, be very, very careful when your kids are little and you disagree with something that's preached from this pulpit. I don't take it personal if you disagree. You can come ask me anything you want to ask me. You can come discuss anything you want to discuss. Uh, if, it's pre- if it's Bible, if you say, well, I just don't think you should. Have, there's going to be times when I handle things that you, don't, you, just, you may disagree with how I handle it. You, you have that right. I will not take offense to that. I'm not going to pass out a survey because, good night, we're never going to agree. Everybody's never going to agree. All of us aren't going to agree on the same thing. But the point I'm making, be very careful to express that in front of your children. Because you're sowing seeds of strife. You know, they may not need a pastor when they're five, but they may need one when they're 15. It's not a may, they may need one, they will need one when they're 15. They will need one when they're 25. Be very careful sowing seeds of strife. The Bible calls that individual a forward man. Uh, you plant something, it's going to be reaped later. Well, I didn't intend to do that. I know we have someone here, you have a garden, you like to plant things, and, and you, you take those seeds and you plant it on purpose, and you, and you, and, and, and you, and, and you may be great at it. You may, you may reap that harvest, and there's others who've tried that, and no matter how hard you try, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't get anything to grow. But, but weeds, I mean, that's one thing you can do. You know, it, it reminds me, you say, well, I, you sow, you put a seed in, you cover it up, you put water, it gets sunshine. Why are we shocked when there's something that sprouts? It reminds me of summertime, well, summertime's coming. You like watermelon? Maybe we need to have a, a watermelon night on a Wednesday night. Okay, we're dismissed, let's go, no. I can think of times when, now this may seem, some of you may gasp when I use this illustration. The way you eat watermelon is, you know, if it's not a seedless one, you've got to stand on the porch and just spit your seeds out in the yard. I mean, that's the only way to do it. Can I get a witness? Anybody awake out there? Okay. It's amazing, without even trying, sometimes you start getting that vine to, it pops up. Well, I wasn't trying to grow watermelon there, but there was a seed that landed there. And it got enough water, and it got enough sunshine, and it sprouted. Sometimes, with our words, we plant seeds, that we, and we plant things that grow from that that we never intended. I never intended for that to happen. I never intended for there to be a separation. I never intended for there to be... Uh, there, there are those who have, and I'll use the pastor relationship, there are those who have used their words and down the line uh, that it has put a wedge between the pastor and the individual. Well, I never intended for them to, well, you've got to be very careful. with those, those seeds do grow. This happens in relationships. Uh, this happens in, uh, there's so many Bible illustrations of somebody saying something with the intent of putting a wedge and putting an obstacle. Are you sowing strife? Now, let's look what the Bible says. A whisper separated chief friends. Hey, did you hear? Um, many of friendships have been ruined by that right there. Be very careful with that. Number three, the third question. Are you enticing your neighbor? 
Verse 29, a violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Violent, fierce, outrageous. It it's likens to extortion. Um, are you enticing your neighbor? A violent man enticeth his neighbor. In other words, not leading somebody to action by example or principle, but by force. You can use words to force somebody into doing something, to push somebody into doing something. Now, I think it's a whole lot better to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show an example by following principle, and we all will be following principle. Uh, every parent ought to be setting an example for their children and in, in, in trying to set that example, and this is the principle, and this is what we're going to do. Christians should do the same thing. But the Bible is speaking of those that entice, a violent man enticeth his neighbor. He uses those words by, that, that, that become forceful. They extort them. Let me just say this. Be careful who flatters you. Be careful who pays you compliments. This world will flatter you. Many a young man, many a young lady has been deceived and, 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 made, and made mistakes in their life because this world flattered them. Enticed them with words. Let me give you a, a Bible illustration. You know the story of Jehos, King Jehoshaphat. He joined in a league with Ahab, and he should have never done it. And oh, we're going to work together to defeat the Syrians. And you know, Jehoshaphat, we're so glad that you decided to join us in this campaign. We're going to let you wear the kingly robes, and we're going to let you lead us in the battle. Now, Jehoshaphat was, had to be a little bit intimidated to be in that setting with Ahab and Jezebel and all, all that went with that. And here's, he, he's being included. And, and, and I'm not even going to be included, but they want me to lead in the battle. It's about time I got some recognition around here. But what Jehoshaphat did not know is that Ahab, as the king, had a price on his head, which would be typical in battle, but certainly it certainly applies with Ahab, and they, Ahab was the number one target of that day. I mean, Jehoshaphat, you're, just, you're probably, you should lead them in the battle more than me. Here, where are my, where are my robes? I even printed you a custom T-shirt that says, I am Ahab, with a, with a little target on it. It says, you know, it says here, here you go. You're the one that's fit to go into battle. Well, Ahab, what are you, or Ahab, what are you going to do? I'm just going to wear the little, I'm just going to wear a normal soldier's uniform, the armor, and I'm just going to, you know, because I'm humble, and I'm just going to do that, and you be the leader. Be careful who you let compliment you and praise you and entice you. The Bible is warning, certainly the Bible is warning against the individual who would do this, 
But I want to teach it tonight in a way that we're on guard against somebody who would do that. Don't be this individual who's a manipulator with words, but certainly we need to be on guard against those who would entice us with their words. And sometimes it's like, I just, you've been such a good friend to me, and I just, or, why, why don't we, be careful, be careful, because look what happens, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Do we want to go in the way that's good? I think we do. Many times, those that want to go in the way that's good end up going in a way that is not good because they're enticed with these words. And let me remind you that there's, that, that's almost ex, that extortion, that, 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 that manipulation, that uh, putting you in a situation they know what they're doing, but you may not know what you're doing. That's why we need to make sure. Okay, very quickly, I'll give you question number four. Jehoshaphat should have never been in that room he violated Bible principles. He violated God's principles to be in league with Ahab. And a lot of times Christians end up, we're not on guard against the words that enticeth. You think, think about King Ahab. You think about how wicked he was. You think he'd have any problem letting somebody else get killed instead of him? You think he'd have any problem putting somebody else at risk to save his own skin? Absolutely not. See, Jehoshaphat should have never been there. That's why we got to stick with principle. We got to be on guard against those that would do us harm. This world will tell you whatever you want to hear. Young people, you remember that. This world will tell you anything you want to hear to get you away from the things of God. They tell you there's happiness. They tell you there's joy in places it's not there. Number four. The last question is this, and I'll ask you when considering what are you doing with your words. Are you bringing evil to pass? This individual in verse 30 that the Bible describes is a very sinister, a very evil individual. He shutteth, verse 30, he shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. This is... We started with the first question, somebody who is looking for something that they can use against somebody to push them down. How sad for a Christian to not want another Christian to ever get up, never move forward. Now we end with this progression and this different kind of individual where it's a premeditated thing. I'm going to think of some ways to bring evil to pass. How does he bring the evil to pass? Look what the Bible says. He moveth his lips. He moveth his lips to bring it to pass. I find it interesting. He showeth his eyes to devise further things. You may say, Pastor, what does that mean? I I don't know if this is a good comparison, but the majority of the time when I pray and talk to God, my eyes are closed. And when you spend time in prayer, you're talking, but you are thinking about what I need to pray and what do I need in this and what do they need and where does this lead? And and again, it may not be the best comparison, but there are those who shut their eyes not so they can talk to God, 
but they can devise forward things. They can divide, uh, devise evil things so they can bring things to pass. It's premeditated. But we need to be very, very careful with our word. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's kind of extreme. Yeah, it is extreme. We need to be reminded that there are, there are those out there that would do that sort of thing. You think things that take place in our, in our society, they just happen? No, they're premeditated. Some, some of these things people have thought a long time about, and they, with their lips, they bring evil to pass. That's why you need to know this book. A lot of good people are manipulated by words. Manipulated by words. It's because they don't know what the Bible has said. And just like I taught last Wednesday night, that sounds good. There's a way that is almost right, and there's a way that is right. And when we hear words, we need to understand uh, with a possibility where these words could be coming from. And if they're leading us away from truth, we need, to, we, need to, we need to not listen to those words. We need to not heed those words. We need to turn against those words. And we need to be very, very careful how we use our words. We should never use our words. We should never be the kind of person that wants to dig up something from somebody's past to use against them. I know something. I know. Well, the Bible says that's, that's an ungodly person. And as soon as you speak that, you may know something, and as soon as you speak it, the Bible compares your lips, there's a burning fire. Go to the book of James sometime and study out what the Bible says about the tongue. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth chief friends. Don't sow seeds of strife. Don't do it. A violent man entices his neighbor. He uses words to push them in a, diff- in a direction that they should not go. We need to be on guard against that. And then are you bringing evil to pass? Maybe this, this evening you may wonder, there's some obvious reasons why I would teach this. It's in the Bible, number one. We need to be very careful as a Christian because when somebody gets away from God or is going away from God or leaves God, They justify with their words. They use their words. Because when you get on the other side of God, I mean, God is is right 100% of the time. God is never wrong. His word is never wrong. So when you and I are confronted with that, if we have rebellion and, and we are hard-hearted, we have to use our words to justify to everybody around us while we are what we are. Be careful of somebody who sows seeds about somebody else. Be careful about the one who's always digging. Be careful. That's why. That's why. Let me say it. Don't. Let me just say a couple things and I'll pray we'll be done. Don't leave God. Are y'all awake tonight? Okay, don't leave God. Don't leave His Word. Don't leave His church. Don't leave His people. There is nothing but hardship and heartache out in that world. No matter what the commercials say, no matter what society says, no matter what Hollywood says, there's nothing. It's empty. King Solomon, the wealthiest man who's ever lived on this planet, his summation was vanity of vanities. Life is all empty. 
It's fulfilling serving the Lord, isn't it? Don't ever leave it. Okay? But if you ever do, and you come back to God, it's nobody's business where you've been. We got to get back to God if we're away from God. And those that are away from God, I get back to God no matter what it takes to get back to God. But I'll just tell you what I tell them as they sit in my office and they say, Pastor, I, I, I got things right with God. I want to get back where I need to be. I warn them. And I say, it's nobody's business where you've been, what you've been through. It's nobody's business. So this is something to help us when somebody comes back to the fellowship and somebody comes back to God. So where have you been? What have you done? What have you done to your business? If there's something that this church needs to know, it'll come from this pulpit, from these lips. But if they've gotten things right with God, that's what they need to do. Be careful with your words. I wonder how many people, don't get me wrong, if you want to get back to God, you'll get back to God. But I wonder how many has been harder for them to get back to God because of what I taught tonight. In recent days, I've had, they're not members here, I've had many conversations with multiple people about things that have gone on in their life, many of whom are not their fault, but in every situation, they're worried about what their brethren are going to say. Now, this is a church that is principal. This is the best church on the planet as far as I'm concerned. And this is a gracious church, and this is, a, this, and this is the kind of way God's people should be. But we should not be afraid of what the brethren are going to say about hardships that have come into our life. I hope this helps us file it away. There'll be times when people use, your, use words to manipulate us, make us think certain things. And this is just my good, this is just a good time for me to say, don't listen to the media on the left who's going to plant seeds in your mind. But the same goes for the media on the right. You know, Wow, CNN, they're just telling you what they want you to know. Yeah, they are. But so is Fox News. You say, Pastor, what? I, I've been dying to say this for years. Can I say it? Go back to election night. Who was the first one? It's Fox News. They're telling you what they want you to hear. All I'm saying is be careful. Be careful. This is truth. This is truth. Man will lie to you. Man will manipulate you. Man will, man will tell you what he wants you to know because they have a motive. God's motive is, of course, he wants us to know him through his son. And the second, he wants us to have the most fulfilling life we can possibly have in following this book. And so let's apply these things as they as they as we can this evening father thank you for your word